0: Hello and welcome to episode 6 of 1306 Live. I'm your host with the most, Jaden Becker. Alongside me is Andrew Gabriel. Andrew, how are you doing today?
1: Phenomenal. Good good week of Graps. Good weekend. We got a couple pretty good segments lined up for this show. I'm really excited for it.
0: Yes, Canada Day coming up uh, July 1st. So a lot of Canadian-themed things going on in this episode. But before that... We're going to get into this week's SmackDown and Raw. So SmackDown on June 26th and, uh, I believe, June 29th for Raw. So this week on SmackDown, they did a big thank you Taker segment after he announced his retirement on the final episode of The Last Ride. If you haven't watched it yet, it's on the WWE Network. Only five episodes, but a pretty solid five episodes indeed. And they started off the show, uh, many of the superstars in the locker room, uh, face and heel, Standing on the ramp, cheering, thank you, Taker. And I thought that was a great way to start the show. They showed the Boneyard match as well. So I, that cut up a good chunk of time of a two-hour SmackDown segment. And the thing I really want to get into here about this is the King Corbin segment in the beginning of the show where he trashes, trashes <laughs> the Undertaker. Like, buries him to the ground. And, you know, at the time I'm listening to this, I'm like, dude, this guy, I... I, I I hate him with a living passion. Like, this guy's maybe the worst person in the world. But then I realize, like, damn it, he's so good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I, I want to get into this conversation of people say that there's two type of he, uh, heel heat. And there's real heel heat, like MJF, right? Like, he gets that real heel heat. And then there's, like, that X-Pac, get off my screen type of heat. And people are saying that that's what King Corbin has and has had most mm. of his career. But I don't know. I don't know because it walks that line. And what he did on this episode, I feel like was a lot of get off my screen because people didn't want to hear that. But then again, that was super heelish. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good.
1: I compare the heat Baron Corbin is getting right now to the heat that Shane McMahon was getting in SmackDown when, uh, I think at that point, I think Baron Corbin was like Constable Corbin on Raw and he was kind of getting the same kind of heat, but Shane McMahon would just come in and kind of ruin SmackDown. He had that feud with Kevin Owens. (laughs) Uh, no, dude, SmackDown has been better since he's left it's it's damn near objectively true it's ridiculous how much it's improved but i i remember (laughs) i i would post about how angry i was to see shane mcmahon every single time i saw him he just made me so upset and that's the kind of heat baron corbin has been getting in the past but i think now it's transitioning to like genuine heel heat because corbin and there's definitely still some of that all right so get off my screen there's still some of that there but Uh, Corbin's improving. Nobody... Not nobody. Yeah. As much as people do not want to admit it, he's, he's genuinely better than he was. And yeah, I it's interesting you compare it to that kind of heat, though, because it is a bit of both. It really is a bit of both. Because he was being a massive jerk to the Undertaker and just like, oh, you, you suck and stuff. And, and then everyone's like, no, wait, you can't say that. No. <laughs> it's
0: and, like against the law. Like, you can't do that.
1: Exactly. You just, you're going to hear the bell and then he's just, he's going to come out and you're just like, whoa, no, I didn't mean that. And that didn't happen obviously because Undertaker's gone sad face but yeah Corbin Corbin's in a weird spot he's in a very unique spot he has a very unique kind of heat it's a mixture of the being a good heel and absolutely nobody wanting to see him there's there's an aspect of both and you don't rarely get that
0: yeah we'll see more from King Corbin later in the show next up Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross Lacey Evans Mm. and Dana Brooke fatal four-way winner Faces Bailey at Extreme Rules and what do you know, Nikki Cross comes out on top. And I thought this was a little surprising. I know they've been giving her a big push lately and this one pushes her to the moon. Uh, I don't think she wins the title off Bailey. and I think that's a a special moment for Banks to acquire. But, you know, giving Cross that push just legitimizes her, I think. You know, a, a lot of times we looked at Nikki Cross and her with Alexa Bliss as... Bliss being the real reason why that tag team has been successful but now with Nikki Cross getting involved and now getting a title opportunity you're gonna have to look at her as a legitimate contender the one knock I have against her and I wrote it in the article I think it's time for her to get some new ring gear because she (laughs) takes off that vest and she's just wearing like like street clothes <laughs> and yeah. I think it's time for the new ring game but other than that um she cut that one promo maybe like three weeks back or something like that against the Iconics well maybe maybe farther back but either way uh that was really her breakout moment and a lot yeah. of people on the SmackDown roster have been having some breakout moments especially in the women's division look at Sonya Deville look at look at Nikki Cross obviously so she's just um making that push so good for her
1: yeah, a couple things on this. One, fantastic. Nikki Cross deserves a good singles opportunity. Awesome. Very entertaining. Two, why the hell is Alexa Bliss face? What? What's going on? <laughs> what is? Why? The, the why Why am I supposed to cheer for Alexa bliss? bliss? Yeah. I get that she's a face. Look, yeah. when Alexa Bliss did her entrance, she was smiling and when I saw her smile, I felt rage. Rage. Alexa Bliss is one of the best heels of the last decade, male or female. She is. Well, then you the must un- have
0: been missing most of the past few months because she's been face as long as she's been with Nikki Cross as of recently. I know. I mean, you've been watching it the wrong way, but I she's know. always as long as she's been with Nikki Cross and had that push and even got the belts on, she was face.
1: I know, but before that,
0: she was one of the best... Yeah, but she changed
1: she changed. Yeah, and it's making me upset! (laughs) She's (laughs) not a face! She is the embodiment of the heel character. They turned her face before, it was underwhelming then, and it's underwhelming now. I do not hate the Bliss and Cross tag team. I want to make that clear. It's really not that bad, but it is doing so much more for Nikki Cross than it's doing for Alexa Bliss, as you said. Alexa Bliss is a five-time women's champion. Two on SmackDown, uh, three on Raw, I believe, and every single title run of hers has been quality. Can I tell you why? Right? because she was never a babyface during any of them. (laughs) And if she was, I forgot because it was underwhelming. Like, one of the easiest things WWE can do to boost the women's division, even though it's pretty good now, turn Alexa Bliss heel. Just turn Alexa Bliss heel. She is not a babyface. I I don't hate her character right now, but I have loved it so much more. And it was when she was a little five-foot, just piece of shit, running around with her heel shenanigans. (laughs) There was that one time where, like, the match got stopped because her arm was like out of place and it turned out she was just double jointed like it was like this planned thing and i was like oh that's such a scummy thing for you to do alexa bliss why are you such a jerk dude she's just naturally a heel and when she's a heel and on her heel runs she's one of the best in the freaking company why is she faced
0: i think we we have to remember too that they might be waiting for some of these big moments that when We're back in front of real fans and not in front of uh, fake fans. When we're actually there at the venues, they want these big pops and big moments to happen in front of them. So that's why there's the big pause on the Bailey Banks stuff. I think maybe also be a big pause on Alexa Bliss making a move uh, or a heel turn as well.
1: You know what, if that happens, that's totally fine. But the fact that Alexa Bliss was faced in the first place was just the wrong... Maybe it was more... It was definitely more for Nikki Cross than it was for Alexa Bliss. I I don't... I just could not... I I don't know whose decision that was. It was the wrong one.
0: 100% the New Day and Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison and Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Eight-man tag team match. Lucha House Party and the New Day ended up winning this one after the New Day and... Uh, Cesario and Shinsei Nakamura end up fighting towards the back, and I just find this really weird from a sense that I thought we were giving Cesaro and Nakamura a push again, but I guess they pulled it again, or a put- Because... The- Listen, um, ever since Sami Zayn decided to quarantine himself and doesn't want to come back anytime soon because of the COVID, which is a respectable decision, he did leave both Cesaro and Nakamura in the dust. The thing is, is that it's not like Cesaro and Nakamura are slumps. Like, these, these are some of the top in-ring performers in the company right now, and I feel like they deserve to be recognized as such.
1: Yeah, I do not think that Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura are the top, are some of the top in-ring superstars in the company. I think they're some of the top in-ring stars in the goddamn world, and the fact... I, this is if we're I guess I guess I'm just ranting about things that have, should have that should have never happened. And I talk about Alexa Blaze's face turn. They should not have been put into a faction with Sami Zayn as the leader. What, what are they doing? She, uh, Cesaro.
0: Listen, You can't un- knock Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has been great.
1: You yeah, know that. He definitely has, but Cesaro has been due a world title push for going on eight <laughs> years. Do you remember the yeah. Cesaro section? Remember when that was a thing? Yes, I yes, oh my I god, the weird. Cesaro section was so hype. <laughs> And nothing ever came of that, and I'm really upset. Cesaro deserves a world title run. Nakamura should have had a much better Intercontinental Championship run. Maybe another thing they're waiting to bring fans back for before that happens. I mean, I don't even... That might not even be relevant. I think I might have got my timelines mixed up but look either way they shouldn't be a, it's kind of like Omega and Page except really watered down it's a makeshift tag team <laughs> with two guys that are singles competitors not were they are singles competitors and they make it work because they are supremely talented but for the love of God put them <laughs> in title pictures they're really good I oh, oh. Yeah, I
0: have to I can completely agree with with you there. Uh, I feel like it's a waste of talent at this point. and they even said it on last week's Smackdown over two weeks ago. it's like I'm t- they're tired of being overlooked. And I feel like that came from the heart a little bit because they've ha- they have been overlooked for quite some time moving on braun strowman wants to go back to the swamp i say that Not talking about shrek we're talking about him having a match with bray wyatt bray wyatt reverting back to his character in the former days of uh his character the original cult leader type of character and let me tell you ma'am this is probably the best promo braun strowman has ever cut in his life and I, I felt like I was hearing Bray Wyatt, like, puppet him, which was great, you know? Because that's exactly what he needs. He sh- used to struggle so much on the mic, it sounded like it was coming off a script. This, I, I could... I, I heard the Bray Wyatt helping hand. You know, they're good friends in real life. His, his, uh, Strowman's the godfather of, uh, I think, Bray Wyatt's son or daughter of one of Bray Wyatt's kids. So the fact that they're so close together and Bray Wyatt is... is I think, first, one of the best promos on screen. Like, It's like you can't miss the Firefly Funhouse because every time it's just something amazing on Friday nights. So the fact that Braun Strowman now is getting to be a part of that is just so special. So, so special. And I could see this going all the way to SummerSlam with the big culmination being there.
1: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. The the Firefly Funhouse is must-see programming. And you're absolutely right as well that, that there was Bray Wyatt in that Braun Strowman promo. And yes, it was the best promo he has ever cut. It there's no two ways about it, man. He just did better than he's ever done (laughs) on the mic. And he's also, there's been a lot of growth in Braun Strowman over the past few years. If you look at
0: huge
1: growth in ring and on the mic, if you look at how he was in the beginning, he was like, kind, especially when he was with the Wyatt family back when that was actually a thing. He was kind of slow, just not that sound in ring really, and maybe he was, but definitely not in comparison to now. I remember when the brand split happened on uh, in WWE, not 1306, <laughs> but when that <laughs> happened. When that happened, they just kind of repackaged Braun Strowman into just, you know, the monster. And on, like, one of his first matches against Big Show, he did a freaking (laughs) kip-up, and I was like, okay, this is not the same guy I've been seeing. And then his promos were still bad, and now that's improving, and Braun Strowman is turning into a super superstar. I don't know how much mainstream stuff he does. It's not that much, if anything. But he's got the look of what... If you picture pro wrestler, stereotypical character of a pro wrestler <laughs> it's broad stroman with the hair and the muscles and the tank top the freaking nipple ring that was on show on yeah, nipple,
0: the, nipple, the nipple ring is always is always out it, it never, it's always finds its way out and i think that that's a part of his gimmick get the nipple rings out so it's either way funny. that was so <laughs> It was a great segment from him, and I'm really hoping to see more out of that. They're going to have a swamp match at Extreme Rules, the horror show. that They're, call- they're calling it Extreme Rules, the horror show now. And I'm thinking that the, the big culmination of this is um, they're going to have a swamp- the swamp match at Extreme Rules. It's not a title match, so I think that means Bray wins automatically, right? And they're Master. gonna have a big blow off at SummerSlam. It can go either way. You could. I don't know how you would want to push Bray Wyatt down the card for whatever reason. He's just the hottest thing in the world. But then again, you're giving Strowman a great push that we really haven't seen from him have this good of a push with this good mic skills in a while. So well, definitely haven't seen him have this good mic skills ever. So yeah. maybe you want to reward him for that. It it can go either way. Either way it goes. They won't be upset given how well he has performed
1: it's also entirely possible that it's the fact that he's in this with wyatt and mm-hmm. they just have infinite chemistry they just know each other it's mm-hmm. just yeah it just makes a lot of sense that it's going well given the two people involved
0: 100 percent. finishing off the show jeff hardy versus king corbin and this is to kind of restore the honor of The Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, <laughs> previously in the beginning of the show, attacked King Corbin for talking all that smack about The Undertaker. And Jeff Hardy obviously comes out and wins this one over King Corbin in a uh, good fashion. And what was a nice thing to see is it, once again the SmackDown locker room went and circled the ring like it was a lumberjack match, but it wasn't. Like it was, but it wasn't. You know, I feel like if they just did that and put them in the stands. In behind the plexiglass, it will be even better because instead of putting the the um, NXT stars there, like how AEW does it, like AEW has no fear of putting um, their champion in the stands, like they have no fear of doing that. I don't know why WWE does. Either way, wins the match, Jeff Hardy does, and then after the match, a lot of competitors from outside the ring, Big E, Matt Riddle, and Braun Strowman attack King Corbin for his words uh, that was said previous in the show. So I thought this was a solid way to end SmackDown. I was a little surprised to see Matt Riddle there, to be honest. But yeah. either way, I thought this was pretty solid.
1: Yeah, I because how I think it went was they weren't there, commercials happened, and then they were. And so it comes mm-hmm. back from commercial, and it's it's this not-actually-lumberjack match. And I'm like, oh, and I'm looking at who's there, and I'm like, is that Matt Riddle? What? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just wiped Jack Gallagher off the face of the world. But Matt Riddle is on SmackDown, okay. Yeah. But, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that to Jack Gallagher. I'm, I'm saying that riddle got it too light, in my opinion. But, yeah. so, yeah, again, hell of a way to finish the thank-you-taker bit by everyone banding together for The Undertaker's, <laughs> you know, the good name of The Undertaker and, you know, beat up the guy that says bad things. And It, it was a really, really feel-good way for yeah. that little mini-rivalry feud thing to end. I don't, I'm not sure I'd actually... Want. You know what, maybe I would. I've not decided. Clearly I've not decided.
0: What we what we were supposed to see is Matt Riddle's supposed to feud with King Corbin. That is supposed to be a storyline coming forward according to rumors around the WWE... That would be mill, awesome. But, but King Corbin doesn't want to work with him. That That's one thing. He, he's come out <laughs> publicly and said that. He does not want to work with Matt Riddle in the ring. But for whatever reason it is, I, I can't tell you if it's uh, talent-wise or whatever, any personal issues, but they don't want to work together. So Matt Riddle, in his first push in the WWE already has some pushback from, not management, but the locker room. Which is something I don't think we've seen in a while, I guess. Especially with a new guy. Usually it's with people that have been working together for a while that just don't gel together. But now it's a brand new guy coming up and you don't want to work. And he doesn't get any work with King Corbin who just says no.
1: What I've, I've heard a lot of stuff over the years since Riddle joined NXT that he's had issues in the locker room. He, he There's mm-hmm. at least... Once or twice every six months, uh, Riddle's got heat in the locker room. Riddle's got heat in the locker room. But for for someone to say no, I don't want to wrestle him. <laughs> I just don't want to. You're right. It's definitely nothing to do with lack of talent. Riddle is perfectly fine in ring. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. One could argue he's he's at Corbin's level, if not higher. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if it was a personal issue thing because uh, apparently, I don't know, just ask that Goldberg guy that isn't around anymore. <laughs>
0: Well, this was a solid episode of Smack That, and I did enjoy it thoroughly. So, there were some issues I thought with uh, the New Day stuff, and I thought Cesaro and Nakamura should have more of an in- impact in that one. Uh, if you want to look at that more, you can check out our Instagram, 1306 Mania. We've been working pretty hard on that. You've been killing it, my day. guy. You could check our Instagram story. We've been doing everything trivia, uh, the polls. Uh, on this day in pro wrestling uh, birthday shout outs to wrestlers in the business so we we've been really on top of it uh come join in on the fun uh it's a new branch of 1306 so we have 1306 fc we have uh, 1306 uh gridiron and now we're doing um some wrestling stuff so stay in touch with that we're going to move on to some monday night raw monday night raw Pretty solid this week as well, and I'm telling you the the creative change with taking out Paul Heyman might have been the good move these past few weeks. Obviously, you're gonna have their ebbs and flows, but as it stands right now, they're staying pretty consistent. Double contract signing was the big promotion of this show. That one started the show, and I thought I I joined late because they were already fighting in the contract <laughs> when I turned on the TV, but that's just the way it was. Oscar and Sasha Banks. And Bailey all brawling it out with each other to start the show, so it wasn't even at the end. So poking fun of themselves there, how contract signings go, and then Ziggler and McIntyre had their conversation in the same ring as Oscar and um, Sasha Banks and Bailey. So I thought that was fun. Big thing that come out of this one: McIntyre allows Ziggler to pick the stipulation for Extreme Rules. Obviously, I think we forget that Extreme Rules is the show where like crazy stuff happens. So it's <laughs> <Supposedly. laughs> gonna be maybe a, a, a big match. Uh, Where some steel cage challenge set whatever I'm I'm just things off the top of my head extreme rules match maybe so everybody signs that contract and You know, I like a good contract signing segment, and I thought this one was okay, and it was a little different with the double signing, but I really enjoyed what AEW did with Cody Rhodes and Jack Swagger. We talked about this on the last podcast where it was a press conference they did instead of a contract signing. I thought that was great because it didn't need to end in a fight. It ended with water in Cody's face. But even if they ended there with with it fading back to the show, with them taking pictures, hyping up the fight, I thought that would have been fine, too. Nothing, like, it doesn't need to end in a fight. Like, everything with WWE has to end in a brawl, especially with a contract signing. Like, if it doesn't end, like, did it even happen if they didn't have a fight? So, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think it was it was nice with that. It was different with a double contract signing, but I would rather see it ended a
1: different way. First of all, Jake Hager, don't you ever call him Jack Swagger again. That that <laughs> oh, I Jack said Swagger? You said Jack Swagger. Oh, Jack no. Swagger is dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I heard. I remember. I watched the Batchamania where Jim Ross made that same mistake. He's making this mistake on thirteen oh six live. He made that mistake on air. On like on air. So, I think I get a pass.
1: If, yeah, if Jim Ross can get away with it, you can too. It's fine. But yes, (laughs) I don't ever want to hear that again. Jack Swagger's dead. No, but um, in all seriousness, yes, if it didn't end in a fight, it didn't happen. Contract signings, marriages, (laughs) it's WWE. (laughs) I don't know why it's always marriages. I don't... Cake in the face? It's something. But yeah, I... Off air, I'll do research because I'm I'm now genuinely curious. Has a contract signing ever not ended in a fight? It's unlikely. I really
0: doubt it. It's it, unlikely. I really doubt it. It's not something WWE would
1: do. You no. Know what I'm saying? No. It, the last thing WWE wants to do is keep it simple, and they're just. <laughs> but I absolutely agree with what you said about how AEW totally did it right. It was really really yeah. cool, and it didn't have to go into a massive fight for tensions to mm-hmm. just be up many many levels Hager's wife like splashed the water in Cody's face uh, Cody's face mm-hmm. and Dustin Rhodes was like
0: hey hey get her out of here <laughs> and I feel like that was more effective was. way more effective than a let's say a big blowout brawl because that is just the like the hay that broke the camel's back I thought that was just just enough to get the message across without making it a joke yeah at least how t- that's how i saw it so moving on uh we're going to talk about the big show the big show once again having a prominent role on monday night raw tries to call out randy orton doesn't get him gets angel garza andrade and Zelina vega before they can start brawling rick flair does the dirty work of randy orton calling him out and all stuff like that and then the Viking Raiders come in and make a mess of things as well, attacking Angel Garza and Andrade. They end up having a match. And it, surprisingly, Andrade and Angel Garza win this one. And they win this one throughout the match. They were having a tough time gelling together. Obviously, they had their struggles as a team but towards the end of the match they show some great teamwork so the storytelling there was pretty unique and i liked that for wwe it was it was unique in in a sense of i didn't expect i expected him to storm away and be upset but actually they came together at the end and won the match against the viking raiders who was a pretty tough team so yeah uh i thought that was really nice I found it interesting they
1: chose the Viking Raiders to do that with.
0: There's no one else there, though. What are they going to do with? That's, that's I've been saying this so long for the Raw Tag Team Division. They're not going to do it with the Prophets. They're the champions. Viking Raiders is the only team there, so they do it with them, and then maybe they get a push for Extreme Rules. I don't
1: know. I'm saying if we were burying a tag team, I would have suggested the Ninjas, but it's fine.
0: <laughs> they keep the Ninjas away from everything. <laughs> no!
1: No! Those are future Hall of Famers. The Road Warriors can move aside. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Those are no, I'm sorry, they did not win the gimmick Hall of Fame. My bad. They did not. Ouch! Ouch! They did not. But yeah, I
0: they lost the boogeyman.
1: They, they lost to the boogeyman again. That might that's the third time anyone said that. But yes. <laughs> so yeah, that the end of that because they obviously they had another match later in the show ah screw it I'll just make this point later just yeah there was right now if we're just talking about the Viking Raiders match there was like Mm -hmm. uh, Garza made a a bad tag to Andrade and it was like they were kind of doing teamwork because Andrade did go over and stop uh, Ivar from picking up the pin that's
0: what I'm talking about right there at the end that teamwork aspect of it at the end was was my favorite moment because that proved that they could come together
1: yeah but I I thought the way that like Andrade sold it like hey yo what the hell is going on because if you saw his face like, he had it he was Because he hit him with his, and again, this elbow, I've not said this before, but his freaking, like, fake the kick and then back elbow is one of the dirtiest moves I've ever seen. Oh, when he hits it, it's it's so nice. nice. But he does that, and then Garza tags himself in, and, and, like, it's not for very long, but you can see Andrade just, like, hey, yo, like, what are we doing? And then Garza hits the, what's it called, wing clipper? Yes
0: freaking pins eric very clean which i was a little surprised they need to build them up some way they needed they're trying to legitimize them as a tag team so having them win against the viking raiders i thought that was nice
1: yeah, yes, definitely. But I thought, and again, this this note will be more relevant in the next bit. Andrade did not stay in the ring and celebrate with Garza. He left. He left. And he yeah. didn't even look like he wanted to be there. So that'll I, I'll make my whole point. They're a
0: weird group. They're a weird group. And I know what you're talking about. Uh, after this, Akira Tozawa with the Ninjas, your favorite, versus R-Truth in the 24-7 championship match. And... Uh, short and sweet, our truth comes out on top and wins this one. Let me tell you, I haven't popped so hard for our <laughs> truth winning a match. That was, uh, I don't know, I'm a weirdo because I, I love our truth. How could you not? And uh, he he won it, he won it again, and was it seven times, 24/7 champion?
1: No, 37. So I think that's 37 times. The- 37? 37.
0: 37? <laughs> I, oh, my, I, wow. It's 37. So, wow. Anyway, <laughs> the Rollins asks for forgiveness, and not in the way you would think. He asks for forgiveness, not for what he has done, but what he's going to do to Rey Mysterio. So they haven't announced this match for Extreme Rules yet, but it can't come soon enough, because I tell you, I'm sick of it a little bit, and I might be in the minority, but it, do you feel like this is the same promo every week ever since he gouges his eye out i feel like it's just been the same thing week in week out with small variations
1: yeah if you're in the minority here then i guess i am too because i am also
0: i I might be or i might i don't know that's why i'm asking whatever whatever side you're on
1: in terms of that i'm on i am also just like all right great you're the you're the messiah and you're sorry and it's for the greater (laughs) good yeah I mean, yeah, follow the fucking buzzards. Like, great. I'm. It's just like, oh my gosh, the the whole Messiah thing is just so so overplayed. I'm mean, I'm tired of it. It really.
0: Yeah, I, it's not that I'm mad about the Messiah stuff. It's just that I'm mad that because you can do so much more with the Messiah stuff. It's just that they've been doing the same thing for every week in a row. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They've been doing it same thing, same thing, same thing, just with a different ending every time. So I'm I'm just bored of it. And I, I want it to be over.
1: Bray Wyatt is the best messiah. <laughs> F- Wyatt, family Wyatt.
0: They ended up having a match. Seth Rollins and Murphy versus Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo. Coming out on top was Seth Rollins. He curb stomped Humberto Carrillo after Seth Rollins almost got rolled up. It was a nice spot to end the match there. But then, same thing again. Oh, I'm going to rip your eye. Yeah. But, oh, what I thought was cool is that they put Rey Mysterio's mask on Carrillo. Mm. So that was, a fun, that was a good visual. But once again, oh, I got, got your eye out. I'm going for your eye. And then doesn't get it as a curb stomping him on the, the steps. Yeah, different ending, but we've seen that before. Oh, I'm going to gouge your eye out. Your, oh, it doesn't do it. Something else. Oh, I'm going to gouge your eye you Something else. You know? So uh, this is definitely building towards extreme rules. I don't know if it's just going to be Ray-Seth or Seth and Murphy versus Ray and Dominic or Black and Carrillo going to be involved some way. Um, I don't know what type of stipulation either. Stairs match, (laughs) you know, like something like that. But either way, and and you said it too, I I think we're just sort of feeling stale in this storyline.
1: So I think the whole I thing is a hell of a way to write someone off. And they just didn't do that with Mysterio. Mysterio is still...
0: Yeah.
1: No, he's still here. I do think that the whole Ray mask was a nice touch on Umberto, and then he, like, mm-hmm. quickly curb-stomped him on the freaking stairs on the way out. <laughs> I thought that was also a nice touch, but I'd only say do that if you really want to write someone off TV, and that way, the stair spot with the eye will get over so much more if it's like, oh, wow, this could really mess somebody up. Mm-hmm. Like, Ray was gone for what? a few weeks and he's like back yeah. and that's if you're gonna make that spot believable that's not how you do that
0: 100 percent, i agree with you there uh, i thought that was gonna be his thing that was gonna write him off tv as he deals with the new contract but it seems like it might already be done given that dominic is here moving on peyton royce of billy k versus ruby riot not gonna spend too long on this one but one thing i want to say about this match is that the sprinting brain buster that royce planted on ruby rye it was a devastating finish i thought that is my new favorite finisher because just the way it looked where it's a spinning suplex landing on the person's head i haven't seen something like that in a while where they're willing to drop someone on their head especially in the wwe maybe not in in other companies they'll do that no problem in the wwe where you're spinning and landing on your head i haven't seen that in a long time going to your point big show versus andrade and angel garza angel garza and andrade once again struggling to gel together and this time it really blows up as andrade like shooting angel garza just decides and leaves he just decides to leave the match <laughs> and pulls zelino vega with him uh, andrade turns around into a choke slam and ends up getting ko'd punch to end the match you, what do you gotta say about that you, you wanted to bring up a point up before
1: Oh, yeah, I'm just concerned about the direction they're going with Garza and Andrade. I'm not saying they're going to, like, screw it up. I'm just saying, like, I'm just afraid they might, <laughs> you know? If it's going to be... If they're going to feud with each other while a tag team, I want it to be like Team Hell No, where they just keep accidentally winning despite each other. You know what I mean?
0: Seeing now that would be funny. That would be funny.
1: Like, yeah, I, and, and the way... If I wanted them to beef with each other, they did it really well. But I just don't like that they're doing it in the first place. Exactly. And I guess... Okay. They might be just trying to push Garza and maybe accidentally bury Andrade in the process.
0: They're definitely trying to push Garza because of what has – we talked about this before, but McMahon thinks of him as the next Eddie Guerrero, like a young Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, so but, Garza oh my definitely God. is going to find a push. I don't know how soon he'll get it, and I really hope – I'm right there with you. I really hope not right now, given, you know, me and the tag team division on Raw. Like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> love-hate relationship because they try to fix it. By getting them together, and then they make the trade and all stuff like that, but then at the same time, you can't break a tag team up. Also, you know, like, i much rather have, like, a like mid-2010 scenario where all the tag teams are just feuding with each other yeah. at this point, because that it, that's just, just what you need to do to build it up.
1: I'm just so concerned that Andrade is going... Like, I have no problem with them pushing Garza. I just do not want to see Andrade buried. <laughs> Andrade Cien Almas. <laughs>
0: He just got a new T shirt, so that, that could I don't know what that means, but that could mean anything. So maybe maybe not all hope is lost. God
1: Andrade's so good though. <laughs> you ever see his match against Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia? Oh my god. I've, yeah,
0: I've seen highlights of that match. Oh yeah. my god. I'm you, superstar stuff. This guy he has ton of potential and he does definitely does not deserve to be anywhere near a bottom of a card. He's a, he could be a main event guy if they really pushed him hard enough. And he was right NXT now, champion. Like Vega, he could do it. Yeah, exactly.
1: He was NXT champion at a time where NXT was the premier wrestling brand in the United States. Yeah. So he is a superstar. He is a main event player, and the man should be treated as such. <laughs>
0: i can't agree with you more there mvp with bobby lashley versus apollo cruz this comes after the bickering that comes between apollo cruz and mvp about joining and not joining and cruz disrespecting him in whatever sense mvp actually comes out on top and wins this one did have some help from bobby lashley but i'm surprised here that they put mvp over funny thing after the match is that apollo cruz jumps mvp in the ring not something you usually see from a baby face and you know we talked about that heel face dynamic from Cruz and he's still walking that line I guess didn't join MVP like we thought but still doing some heel things that a face shouldn't do funny enough again Ricochet and Cedric Alexander make their big return if you want to call it a return we saw them backstage and they came and help out uh, Apollo Cruz after Lashley put him in a full Nelson so MVP winning here do you think that's a good thing, bad thing?
1: It was via heel shenanigans, so it really doesn't make life for Apollo okay. Crews any worse. Again, that's a really good way to put the heel over while not burying the face. Heel, yeah. heel shenanigans yes. is always yeah. good for the face. So, again, it just it just builds up MVP and Lashley as a unit. Cool to see mm-hmm. Big Rick and Cedric back. Of course, they're just going to job to everybody for... Because, again, like they... <laughs> uh, I guess a, a common theme this episode has been me being upset that they do things, and the fact that they put Ricochet and Cedric in a makeshift tag team is upsetting. But I good to see them back, you know? I, I'd i rather yeah. see them job than just not see them, but I'd like to not see them job. Yeah,
0: I agree with you
1: there. MVP going over is not the worst thing, especially that way. I, and I also just like Lashley. <laughs> I I think the way that they're using Lashley, I, I don't know, MVP just does this thing where everybody thinks he sucks, and then... Because the whole, like, stable thing, I remember it was the, it was, I think it was the last Raw before freaking Corona Geddon, and, like, MVP came out, and he started talking about, like, I want to build a faction, I want to build a stable, and Edge, and he wanted to, like, use Edge, because this was January, and Edge was a thing, and, like, and I was just there, I was in the crowd, and I was like... Ayo, what is this guy talking about? Like, I thought he was a complete joke. And now I'm really, really enjoying what he's doing. And that's been a common theme throughout his career. He's deceptively really, really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Bobby Lashley and Ricochet, they both had a match after the Apollo Crews match, and uh, Bobby Lashley wins that one. Uh, Ricochet, once again, jobbed out, as you mentioned. Looking at the main event, Drew McIntyre and Asuka versus Dolph Ziggler and Sasha Banks with Bayley uh, champions versus challenger match a mixed tag team so I thought that was pretty fun <laughs> uh we did see though uh, surprisingly the challengers actually won and that being um Sasha, Sasha Banks and Dolph Ziggler winning the match even though they, they are protecting McIntyre here because he wasn't uh pinned or submitted he did lose the match and that's like he he was on a streak for a long time after since after mania where he kept on winning again and again and again so i think that's like his first technical loss there but either way i thought that was a great way to end the show
1: i really enjoyed that one spot where uh like Sasha was yelling at Drew in the ring and then he just he just kinda looked at her and then Dolph got up on the apron and then he just <laughs> socked Ziggler in the face and Sasha was like, Well who do you think you are? And I'm just there like Alright Alright, you're you're both wrestlers. I think you can understand punching your opponent in the face, but it doesn't have to make sense because wrestling. And yeah, uh good good for Sasha. I think having Bailey there was really cool. She was hilarious on commentary with the whole like thing where she put her hands up to her ears and it was like, Oh, how do you fall for that? That's like a four-year-old thing. It was <laughs> it was very funny. But yeah, I mean, Drew technically lost, but did he? You know? It,
0: technically he did, but exactly. Technically he did, but he really didn't, you know. In the same so, way Yeah, I see what you're saying.
1: In the same way it was Apollo, like, okay, he lost, but like, it, it doesn't bury him. Like, yeah, Drew's yeah. fine. He, he wasn't pinned. Yeah,
0: he's fine. He's more than fine. Yeah.
1: He's going to beat Ziggler at Extreme Rules. It's not even a question. Like...
0: Now, here's the question I have for you. What stipulation uh, do you think Ziggler puts? What do you all right. think he does?
1: So, it's Dolph Ziggler. And he does this thing where he is very, very Dramatic right now it's been a little bit recent uh since the last one of these and they don't typically do these that often but my mind is having a tough time getting off a last man standing match
0: (laughs) you think so i don't know i don't think they go last. i
1: don't know what it is that is making me think this but i can just imagine dolph ziggler in his dramatic voice because he has one of those when he wants to He's like, I want you in a last man standing match. Like, I can envision it. It's it's just, I don't know. Last man standing, if not something absolutely brutal, like you kill someone match. I don't know.
0: You see, I'm not thinking brutal. I'm thinking more technical. I'm thinking he might go maybe submission match and be a, a weirdo like that because McIntyre doesn't have any submissions and he, maybe he breaks one out and that builds his character, right? Dull? Because what's the... You no, know, um... Oh, McIntyre. Dolph is a sleeper. Exactly. So what's the point of building all these matches, right, for McIntyre, for him to win them all and gain nothing from them? So maybe if he gains a really strong submission move from this match. Yeah. Let's say he has a submission match and he gains like a a brutal submission move because all he has, he has those four great moves, but he doesn't have a submission. So he gets one of those. Now he's a complete guy.
1: He needs a fifth move of doom.
0: Yeah, fifth move of doom will save him from, from Doom, hopefully, because he has had a good push. So
1: He has. I was thinking about it in terms of Ziggler. That was totally the wrong way to go about thinking that.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I'm th- yeah but exa- that's what I'm saying. Oh, Ziggler's going to be like, oh, you don't even have a submission, and then he breaks one out during the submission match. And it's like, oh, this is the new big thing. So I'm trying to help McIntyre as much as possible because I like him and I want him to get that big push. So.
1: Yeah, it's McIntyre that needs to be catered to here, not Ziggler. And I was just thinking about Ziggler's character and I'm like, that's not what they're trying to improve. <laughs> but yeah, <go> ahead.
0: <laughs> Yeah, we're going to move on here. And Canada Day, July 1st. So we're going to talk about some best Canadian gimmicks in WWE or wrestling wrestling history. So, Andrew, who do you got as the best Canadian gimmick in
1: history? All right. So, in the mid-2000s, the glory days of total nonstop action wrestling, there was a faction made up of Petey Williams, Johnny Devine, Coach Scott Damore, Eric Young, and Bobby Roode. They were known simply as Team Canada, okay? (laughs) Team Canada. That's a Canadian gimmick, and if you don't get why... Why are you listening to this? Two-year-olds shouldn't listen to these. As far as the gimmick goes, their entrance music was a rock rendition of the Canadian National Anthem. It, it just sounded cool. Coach Scott Damore came out with a Canadian flag. He was always waving around this Canadian flag. But instead of a pole, the flag was on a hockey stick. Think of anything more Canadian than a <laughs> Canadian flag on a hockey stick. Oh, you can't? That's right, there isn't anything more Canadian than that. Team Canada had one of the greatest pieces of wrestling merch of all time. They had a shirt with the TNA logo on it, but instead of the letter A, it was replaced with the expression A, spelled E-H, because, you know, <laughs> Canada, it was TNA. And I I know this is about gimmicks, but I, I have to mention, like, just some of the stuff these guys done. I'm going to talk about Scott Demore first, because not too many people are familiar with him, and he was an essential essential piece of this. He wasn't ever in ring, but he was a hell of a presence at ringside. When I was watching some of their matches, the commentators kept saying things like, oh, I would love Team Canada if it wasn't for Scott Demore." Like, the guy is one of the most underrated heel managers I've ever seen. He was loud. He was a total jerk to Eric Young, which made him even more hated, because, like, Eric Young, despite being on a heel faction, everyone loved Eric Young. He had this character where it was, like, really skittish and scared of everything, and, like, so Team Canada had Pyro during the intros, and every time it would set off young would get like jumpy and like oh my gosh fireworks i don't whoa (laughs) like so yeah he was like this adorable little guy that like during the match something would click and he would be really really good at wrestling and another thing about demore uh if you don't recognize him you definitely recognize some of the names that he trained because he used to be an ingring guy uh he trained at the wcw power plant you will recognize some of these names that he trained rhino pd williams eric young bobby Roode, gail kim moose Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Kushida, just to name a few. That last one's a little surprising. Um Yeah, it is surprising. Also, Petey Williams finisher, the Canadian destroyer. <laughs> has been used throughout the years all over wrestling. But oh my god, no one has ever done it like Petey Williams. I I could watch Petey Williams hit Canadian Destroyers for hours. But yes, Team Canada was one of the most intriguing heel factions ever. There was always like, you know, there's the funny guy in Eric Young. There's the loud dickhead guy like Scott Demore. There was the dude with raw power that was Bobby Roode. There was the technical master guy that was Petey Williams. John Devine was kind of all over the place. They won a bunch of tag titles. They had a lot of really good matches with guys like America's Most Wanted, uh, the Dudleys, otherwise known as Team 3D. Just a solid, solid team. Uh, and they were just very Canadian. Their entire gimmick was Canada. And if that's not the most Canadian gimmick, I don't know what is. Go ahead.
0: I think that's a very good choice. I'm thinking of a singles competitor. I could have gone a couple ways with this. I wanted to go to Ma- the Mountie
1: that's
0: what i thought you chose like like that that is just canada that just screams canada like that is it but i didn't i wanted to go i want i'm a little selfish here as well i wanted to go for a guy that had three belts (laughs) you know i'm jaden three belts so i'm going with a vince russo product and that's lance storm i think he is up definitely up there among his one of the best canadian gimmicks i he held three belts at the same time i I think one was like the crew lightweight or cruiserweight championship one was like the hardcore one was uh another mid-car championship and he put um all canadian logos on them and renamed the championships himself to like different parts of canada (laughs) you know so so i thought that was awesome that, that and oh yeah look at that He was just a superstar, and that was great. They at one point they even thought about having all those belts on him, and then even putting on the main belt. They told him no, like (laughs) you're not gonna do that, like you're not putting on the main belt. But yeah, Vince Russo product, um, and a great Canadian gimmick. Obviously, we could have gone with Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation, and you know, yada yada yada. That those are obvious and. Yes. Do they represent Canada well? Uh, of course, but at the same time, I don't think they were overtly Canadian. They were just, oh, they're from Canada and that's cool. But they were the Heart Foundation. They were more Heart than Canadian. You Understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And the and the Mountie, uh, I wanted to be different. Everyone picks the Mountie because everyone. <laughs> it, <you> know? <laughs> so. Yeah, those are our too. You can vote. We're gonna have a Twitter poll up between those two choices, and hope you vote for mine because, uh, yeah, <laughs> be a meme. guy. <laughs> I just want to let you know yeah.
1: that he had the hardcore title. He named it the Saskatchewan Hardcore yes, International Title, the S H I T. He was literally <laughs> carrying the shit. <laughs> that's hilarious. Can I can I give you some honorable mentions real quick? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, the Rougeau brothers, the fabulous Rougeau Ooh, brothers. I was gonna say when you said a singles competitor, my mind did immediately go to the Mountie. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, he's choosing the Mountie. Great, I'm not gonna win. And then the the pretty much anything to do with the Hearts because they did come out with Canadian flags yeah. quite a bit. I remember in like '97 or '96, whenever it was, Bret Hart's whole gimmick was that he loved Canada. He was a <laughs> he was a huge Canada enthusiast, and that wasn't his character for his entire career but for a while there it was like dude this u.s thing it sucks i want to go to canada so that would have been a respectable pick but yes vote on 1306 sports at 1306 sports on twitter i was gonna say instagram you can follow it there too but yes twitter
0: we will also have a poll up on 1306 mania on instagram if you are interested it'll be up on our story we're gonna move on to our trivia segment here and this one is a little different from the usual things that we do uh usually we'll pick a specific person and you have to guess trivia questions about him. This is a little different. This segment is called, Are You From Canada? Well, no. we list off 10 names. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You're, Andrew is not from Canada. But we're going to list off 10 professional wrestler names. And you have to guess if they are from Canada. Oh, Canada. I love <laughs> this. So, so, here we go. Uh, it, it might start off a little easy, but I just want you to get the taste. Uh, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. So, first one. Chris Jericho. Are you from Canada? Chris
1: Jericho. Is not from Canada. He is from New York.
0: Incorrect. He's from he's, Canada. That he's billed easiest.
1: from Winnipeg. He's not actually from Canada though.
0: He's from Canada. No. Everything I've researched on is that said he's from Canada. I'll look at it right now.
1: Manhasset Canada, New York. I'll keep it in. Manhasset, New York! Look Bruce at where Jericho. he was born. Look at where Manhattan But he's built from Canada! He's billed from Canada. Mark uh freaking So he's not
0: from Canada? Why would he do that? <laughs> Get you. <laughs> all right. Might as well just throw out my whole segment. I, I, I just did it off never Bill. All right, fine. I, now I don't even know what I'm doing how anymore. Do you
1: How do you expect me not to know? We're the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Yeah, I run. thought that was
0: an easy one because he would be from Canada because literally in his, bi- his bio it says an American slash Canadian professional wrestler. Yeah, American is
1: part of that. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> the WWE is an American entity.
1: Okay. That doesn't mean like... I- is Rey Mysterio actually from San Diego, California? I don't know. It's fine. One point to me.
0: Yes. Let me Google this next guy before I ask it to you to. All right. Kevin Owens, is he from Canada?
1: He is from, I believe, uh, isn't he? He's from somewhere in Quebec. Yes, he's from Canada.
0: Correct. He is from Canada. And I'm stuck Googling all these. <laughs> Mick Foley, is he from Canada? I don't believe he is. He's not from Canada. Good job. Yes. Hold on, now i got to Google this one. (laughs) I can't believe it. Now (laughs) I'm actually mad. The fact that Chris Young is not from Canada. Trish Stratus, is she from Canada? Yes. She is from Canada. Good job. Doing a great job here. The Sandman. Oh, dear. Is he from Canada? Oh, he
1: can't be from Canada. There's no way he's from Canada. No.
0: He is not from Canada. Good job.
1: <laughs> Taz. No. Is he's he from the Red from Hook Canada. section of New York.
0: Good. See, I'm just, I'm just giving you names. I want to make sure you, you got that.
1: Kenny Omega. Yes. Are you from Kenny, Kenny Omega, Omega is from Winnipeg.
0: Good job. If you hear rapid t- typing, I just want to make sure my answers are right.
1: <laughs> Evan Bourne.
0: Is he from? I Canada? believe
1: I believe Matt Seidel, aka Evan Bourne, is from California. He is not from Canada.
0: Good job. I feel like that would have been the one you would have gotten wrong, because nah, that's like gee. it's like a like a weird a weird one. He's actually born in St. Louis. That that's what it says, but it's okay. He's not. From uh, Canada.
1: It wasn't Canada, so I win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Adam Cole, are you from Canada? No, not from Canada. Lanchester. PA. Jinder Mahal, are you from Canada?
1: Jinder Mahal actually is from Canada.
0: He actually is from Canada. I think that is a perfect 10 for 10. Oh, jeez! Oh, on, on the questions. And uh, I think... Now, I, I actually got one wrong, and it was my questions that I asked. <laughs> so, the fact that Jericho isn't from Canada now bothers me <laughs> even more. Oh, my God. So. Yeah. That is extremely surprising. And I don't know why he would choose... Like, why wouldn't he say he's just from Manhattan, New York? Why is he still... Do you know the reason why or not?
1: I mean, Manhattan, New York doesn't... I mean, saying he's... He just seems Canadian. Because the way he speaks as well... He
0: does seem very Canadian. The fact that he isn't actually bothers
1: me. Yeah, you listen to hear... Or you hear him say the word again. And you're like, yeah, he's from Canada. It, like, he had the whole, like, never, ever be the same again. Yeah. Again, again, like, no, he's obviously Canadian, and then he wasn't born in Canada. Whoa,
0: <laughs> I'm shocked out of my mind. <laughs> that will go on to the Gimmick Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, Lord, You're doing
0: good on time here. So, who won last week? Uh, Who's the winner? Yeah, I think you have that information.
1: It was between the Straight Edge Society of CM Punk, Luke Gallows, who also reportedly has signed to Impact Wrestling, along with Carl Anderson. Big news there.
0: That's very big news. That's coming.
1: It is. Punk, Gallows, and Serena, the Straight Edge Society, and Kane. And the winner was the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee himself, Glenn Jacobs, (laughs) the brother of The Undertaker, Kane. Welcome You've to the Gimmick won Hall of Fame. You've only won one. Yeah. Ninja. I think you need to step up. It's because head. my picks are Big so picks. niche. I put Big Ninja up against Ric Flair. How does. Yeah, I know.
0: Like, <laughs> I don't think that's the best move, I'm telling you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not going to win this one either. But it just needs to happen.
0: Oh, my God. So, I don't remember if this guy was picked or not already to be in it or not. But I'm just going to go for it. I go first, right? Yeah, you won. Since, uh, You're um, first. Okay. So, this man was once. Just known by one name. And then he was known by three names. And then he was just known by three letters. He has done great things for the WWF and WWE. And from going from a tag team to a mid-card to champion to a main eventer. He has really proved... He was able to evolve and prove his worth. I'm talking about JBL. John Bradshaw Blayford. From New York. New York was a legend in the WWE. Even moved on to become an announcer, a color commentator next to Michael Cole, for a couple like good amount of time, and he was a great piece, a great heel commentator as well. But looking at his wrestling career, he went from going to the APA with him and Farouk, and. They would uh, drink beers and sit in the back, play cards, and be like a protective agency for for uh, wrestlers that needed protection. And ended up branching off into his own thing when he ended up getting into all the stocks and stuff like that. And was even on Fox and Friends. I think that's what, that's what the show was called back then. And now he... Uh, when he evolved from the APA character, he turned into, like, the Texas millionaire, and he, he would say, oh, y'all are poor, and go into every city, and trash the city, come in that big, white, stretched limo with the horns on the front. Nothing, nothing screams heel more than stretched limo with the horns on the front. So your
1: own stretch limit my,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my Gimmick Hall of Fame nominee is John Bradshaw Layfield, JBL.
1: Another fun I fact. I think
0: that's a great pick.
1: That is a good pick. Another fun fact about JBL, he uh, bullied one of the best announcers of the past decade, Ramara Ronaldo, off SmackDown. Oh yeah. <laughs> And has many
0: reports,
1: (laughs) (laughs) many reports of him being a huge dick (laughs) to, like, everybody.
0: (laughs) But still, JBL's the go.
1: Another fun fact about JBL.
0: I'm talking about the in-ring, you know? Yeah,
1: again, also, if we're talking about in-ring, JBL is the answer to who did John Cena beat for his first world title. That's a big trivia question for all of you.
0: Big trivia
1: question. So, I think of the Gimmick Hall of Fame, and I think of... You know, not every gimmick has to be iconic. It can be funny. It can even be bad, okay? Sometimes, bad gimmicks are so bad that, in retrospect, they're funny. At the time, this was probably... Or not probably, it was complete garbage. But I cannot help but look back on it and laugh. So Kane won this last one, okay? And I think Glenn Jacobs deserves two spots in this Hall of Fame. My nominee is (laughs) Fake Diesel. Fake Diesel. Fake Diesel. Fake Diesel. Okay? I think Fake Diesel is so iconically bad that he needs to be enshrined in the 1306 Live Gimmick Hall of Fame. The gimmick was terrible, and at the time, nobody liked it, but if you can honestly tell me you look back on it and don't start laughing, like, why would they do this? It is... It is, iconically, one of the comedically worst gimmicks in the history of wrestling, and I think it deserves a spot with (laughs) the Boogeyman and Kane and Ric Flair and everyone else in the Gimmick Hall of Fame. This is the gimmick to end all gimmicks. Fake Diesel, welcome to the the Gimmick Hall of Fame. Let's go!
0: not, Not in it yet. Definitely just a nomination. You can go. No, nah, I'm calling it already.
1: I'm calling it already. No, He's
0: you're calling in. it. You're calling it. He's show. in. Big, Big Diesel is Call in. Come on. You can go vote on Twitter at 1306 Sports. We'll also put up a poll on 1306 Mania if you're interested. And also, while you're there, give us all a follow. 1306 Mania on Instagram, 1306 Sports. On both Instagram and Twitter. That's going to be it for us. For Andrew Gabriel. I'm Jaden Becker. Thank you again. Next time you'll hear from us. We're going to be talking about. Fighter Fest. And the Great American Bash. Yes. NXT. So yes. Be pretty fun. Stay in tune for that one. Happy Canada Day once again. And we'll see you next time. Right here on 1306 Live.